Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Negative Positives Podcast, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And now, here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 152. I am your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from a rainy Louisville, Kentucky, here in the Gutterman Cave. And uh, of course, it's uh, well, it's, it's supposed to be Sunday night, but I had to go to a rock and roll show on Sunday night, so uh, we couldn't do it. So we're doing this on a Monday night, so this podcast is coming out on Tuesday morning instead of Monday morning. But, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder is what they say. And uh, being that this is the, I don't know, the, the big podcast, the, the gigantic one that we always do on the end of the week, uh, that means Mr. Andre Dominguez, all the way out in La La Land, the city of angels, Los Angeles, California. Mr. Andre Dominguez, how are you doing tonight, Andre? I am doing so, so well, Mike. It's it's lovely to be recording with you again. It feels like, you know, forever ago since we were we were chatting here on, on the airwaves. Uh, and also, it seems like forever since we've had our guest uh, this week on. How are you? Good, sir. <laughs> and that guest would be M from Emulsive, uh, all the way out in, uh, I don't know, the far reaches of the planet. Again, floating on his island of 35-millimeter film uh, cartridges. Uh, he lives on an island com- com- uh, constructed completely out of 35-millimeter cartridges, I believe. And uh, he even has a throne, I think, made out of those things. But uh, M, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you, guys. Good morning. Um you sound. You both sound very well. <laughs> well, I am fighting a a heck of a uh, allergy slash summer cold thing going on, so I'm going to cough and hack through this whole uh, thing. I still haven't you know, shake this thing, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'm feeling good. You know, the, the main thing is I'm looking good, so that's the uh, that's the important <laughs> thing. But uh... <laughs> well, I mean, if, that, if any of y'all black sleeveless T-shirt, right? <laughs> Yeah, always, always. <laughs> well, I, I've had the, the pleasure of following um, Mike's vacation photos, uh, and he, he he certainly is quite the silver fox, and he's looking quite sun-kissed. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Uh, uh, finally, my skin was exposed to sun, and I got out of my vampire ways for a week, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a... I'm kind of a bronze god, I admit, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, but it's fading quickly. Like, it's it's funny. I feel like as soon as you get back away, from, I went to Florida, and as soon as we come back home from Florida, the, we have very hard water here in Louisville, Kentucky that I talk about quite a bit. I think the hard water just washes the tan right off of you and just turns you white, like, really quick. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you buy your tan in a bottle, Mike. <laughs> I probably should be buying it in a bottle because uh, I, I usually just burn. We did speak about this before because um, I remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about seafood and you did mention the the color of lobster being bronze. So I'm just wondering if you're if you're a little bit confused here with the the, the level of what bronzing you have going on, but it's from the pictures that I've seen. You're more, more, more pinkish than you are brown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are Mine. you sure you're not colorblind, Mike? That would explain why you prefer black and white. 
<laughs> it's possible. It's possible. My uh, sons uh, would be coming from the beach, and uh, they'd be like, "Ooh, Daddy, that looks painful. You you got burnt today." And I'm like, "No, no, it's just my it's just my natural hue." But uh, my body is just embarrassed. <laughs> my body is embarrassed to be exposed to the sun. I think so. <laughs> But, uh, oh, we know it's not blushing with how shameless you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so I guess this first segment, we just kind of do want to do what we normally do and talk about our weeks. Uh, Andre, I know you had an exciting week because you did your first uh, solo podcast, and the reviews are in, and you've gotten some glowing reviews, and I may have to not let you do that anymore because I think people just uh, enjoyed me not being around a little too much. So uh, I just, I'm just a little concerned about that, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but yeah, so Andre, how was your, uh, how was your week to, uh, so far this, uh, uh, well, how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it, it, it really does feel like it's been forever since, uh, even I recorded that solo show, but, um, it definitely was very odd to not have at least you here, Mike, uh, <laughs> when, when we started doing this thing, uh, you and I were, were recording together quite often, became part of the routine and then having guests on. Uh, became a bit of the the norm for a little while, and so sitting here at my desk uh, without the you know the 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 computer next to me and the you know just the the recorder going on was indeed a little bit odd. Uh, I there was a lot of ums, there was a lot of you knows that I'm trying to to work on for the future, but uh, I think you know both you and some of the other listeners did indicate that there was a, a strange ticking sound throughout yes. the entire recording and i did finally discover the source of that uh, because i didn't have my computer you know right pulled up in in front of me with with notes and you know looking up stuff as we talk about it on the interwebs i just had the recorder you know right you know up in front of my face and uh, the ticking was actually coming from my mechanical heart valve. <laughs> uh, I tested that against my watch, and it definitely was faster. So if you were under any, you know, <laughs> illusion that that this comes naturally to me, or that solo podcasting would not be nervous to this, uh, I think by now I can say veteran of the of the 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 podcasting world. I think Mike, we we've done a, a, our fair few share of of podcasts together. Uh, no, that shit was super scary. <laughs> and, you know, my, my mechanical heart valve will, will tell you how fast my heart was beating throughout the whole thing. It's um, funny. I thought, it, I, thought, go ahead. I, I thought it was your watch, but uh, the ticking was faster than a watch. And I was like, man, that his watch is, uh, is really going, it's, 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 it's wrong. It like those, that's faster than a second. What's going on here? <laughs> nope. nope. Can, can I be the first to pun that he really put his heart into it? Oh, um, <laughs> so sweet and thank you <laughs> ah, thank you very much <laughs> uh but yeah um other than than that one of the the main other things that was causing me a lot of anxiety over the the past few weeks was you know as i'm gearing uh down with these uh these last few moments here in in la for the time being here at Cinestill, i actually sent out some uh some messages to People with a little bit more, you know, life experience, uh, including uh, Mr. Mr. M here himself uh, and Mike as well, to to ask for a little bit of of advice as to how exactly I should approach the the delicate topic of potential future employment. And after much, you know, crowdsourcing of opinion, uh, the conversation did happen, and I am very happy to announce 
that I will be returning to Cinestill full-time in February. Nice job, Andre. Congrats, brother. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. No, I'm super I'm super excited. I mean, uh, I've, I've gone on and on about how much uh, I've loved being here this summer and uh, working with the folks here uh, on, you know, both the day-to-day kind of things, the, the customer service, the production stuff, as well as, you know, new product releases uh, has been fantastic. Um, the opportunity to, to do some interesting stuff in, in South America where my, my language skills will be much appreciated is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm just happy that this isn't, you know, goodbye uh, to them as, I, as I've just started my last week, but more of a, of a see you later. Um, <laughs> uh, but awesome. I did treat the, the whole team to a very nice Brazilian steakhouse out here. Uh, we, you know, had a, a wonderful evening of cultural exchange. Uh, lots of, of meat was consumed and, and Brazilian caipirinhas were, were, were made. Uh, but uh, moving forward, uh, this last, you know, few, few days that I have here in California, as well as the, the last semester that I have in, uh, in North Carolina, is mainly going to be prepping for, for Photokina, which is uh, about the end of September. We're going to be doing some really exciting live demonstrations of the monobath. Uh, for the people over there in Europe that have not yet had a chance to to get their hands on it, as well as introducing a brand new product, uh, which I'm very, very excited to to talk about because it's something that I think is going to help a lot of people. And uh, yeah, that's about all I can say for uh, for my week and and you know some little behind the scenes stuff of Cinestill. But yeah, that was uh, my week and a half, two weeks. I have no idea at this point, but. <laughs> Yeah, over to you, gentlemen. Well, that sounds like one hell of a week, Andre. I mean, to, to have uh, secured permanent employment at Cinestill, uh, that's that's awesome. And uh, wow, those guys just keep uh, keep teasing us with new products. So, uh, and selfishly, I'm glad that you got the job because uh, now I have a insider on the uh, on the podcast now. So it's always uh, you know, it selfishly just uh, helps me out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, M, uh, how about your week, brother? What do you What have you been up to? Have you uh, got any anything that can top Andre and make it look like his life is not as uh, not as cool as we all think it might be? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no my, my 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 week has been mundane in comparison. I um, exercised, so I expelled some gas, um, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now the proud owner of. A camera that I, I used to own up until a couple of years ago, but I sold because I hated it. Um, so I've gone and bought a camera that I, I really disliked using uh, to use with a specific lens that I bought, and it's kind of gone a bit mad. And I've bought a motor drive, and I've rebought a, a macro reversing ring for it, and uh, it's. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing with myself, really. But no, it's been fun um, just messing around with that. I've really, really kind of um, gelled with the kit since since having it. I'm not, not sure whether it's just a, a symptom of it being kind of new and shiny um, or whether it's because I'm really getting on with it. But just in, in terms of the reason why I bought the gear in the first place, um, kind of what I wanted to achieve, um, I've shot probably four rolls through the thing uh, over the last 10 days and it's uh, I feel like I've I've come back home photographically so yeah it's, nice. uh, and it's all good 
And what was this? Uh, what was this machine? What is this? What is this gear you speak of? Do you, are you trying to uh, hide the uh, the identity <coughs> of this? Are you, are you embarrassed by it or like? <laughs> oh God, no, no, not embarrassed. But you know, the the thing about talking about gear is that it can be it's a double edged sword. On the one hand, you're really happy to talk about uh, about what you bought um, because. You know, maybe it's something that you wanted for a long time, blah, blah, blah. On the other hand, I think it can be a little bit, um, what's the word here, uh, kind of bragging, kind of showing off, especially if you buy something that's, that's particularly high end. And yeah. that, you know, that high end can, can change, right? You know, high end for one person could be, you know, Contax T4. For another one, it could be a, you know, a Hasselblad. For another one, it's an Alper. And for some other dude, it's, you know, a, a, you know, Five thousand dollar Linhoff, but no, uh, anyway, I'm 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 uh, trying to stop myself here. Um, you're no, beating I'm, around I'm, the um, bushes. What you're doing? I, I, that's that's what I'm looking for. I'm, there's a bush and I'm beating it. No, I bought um bought a, a Nikon FM3A in silver, a 51.2 AIS lens, um, and uh, an MD12 motor drive. That's like nice. literally my dream SLR setup. My first uh, SLR was a Nikon FE, which uh, <laughs> I believe, other than the FM3A, is the only other Nikon body that has that that match needle, uh, that beautiful match needle metering system. So the FM3A is the, like the the bigger, better brother of the FE, uh, and <laughs> it's it's on my my wish list for for one day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so I, I owned the FM, uh, the black FM3A uh, for about a, a year and a half, two years, up until a couple of years ago. And I, I just didn't, I didn't get on with it. Um, you know, I started on Nikon, uh, Nikon F SLRs. I've got uh, manual, I've got um, kind of uh, AF um, bodies. And for me, getting the FM3A was like, you know, this is the the pinnacle this is like the best mechanical camera ever made but I, I i never i never got on with it and after after it being you know stuck in my dry cabinets for i don't know eight months nine months i i decided that i needed to sell it because i just wasn't using it it just felt it felt unfair so i got rid of it used used that to help part funds um my my first leica purchase a few years back and whenever anyone's ever bought up this camera again on social media or, or email conversation, what have you, I've always said I just never got on with it. Uh, it's it's got a gutless shutter sound. I never gelled with 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 how the camera felt. You know that that moment of taking the shot. And I'm not sure whether that was just bullshit justification for selling it or or, or something else. But having having had this camera now for uh, week and a half maybe two weeks uh, everything every um bad feeling and thought i had about the the camera previously um has flown away so it's i'm either looking at it and using it differently um or uh, i was just making stuff up to justify a purchase of a leica two years ago uh, i don't know all, all i do know is that i bought this camera despite what i thought about it because I wanted something that was going to be completely mechanical with auto exposure up to one fourth, one four thousandth of a second, that didn't rely on on batteries um, to to you know to do the latter. Um, nice. And 
yeah, you know, it, 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 it does the job. Ask me again in six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you don't want and you want to sell it to me for, for a, a discount because we're friends, um... <laughs> man, I could, I could sell it to you for the price I paid and you would still consider it to be a discount. I, I got a, I, I bought it for the same price that I bought and sold my original body back in 2016. Wow. wow. And it's, it's cheap in comparison to what you what you'll see on eBay or Craigslist or or, or the Facebook groups. I I, I don't know why. Hmm. Well, Good I to mean, know. Good to all, know. Well, we'll stay in touch for sure. <laughs> all this gas could just be avoided if you gentlemen would just buy Pentax and you'd be done with it and stop, you know, trying to find the perfect camera cuz I mean Pentax is is the solution. It's the answer and I don't know why you guys uh just can't just can't uh, subscribe to the theory, but uh it's just, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. But people who say that gas can be solved have never truly suffered from gas. <laughs> you take that back. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I, 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 I'm wanting to talk because I bought some gear, some gear today as well. So, uh, but uh, <coughs> anyway, um, okay. So I guess my, uh, my, was that the, pretty much your weekend or did you have anything else? Uh, no, that, that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, ate a bit, drank a bit, slept a bit, <laughs> worked a bit. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, my week was, uh, I didn't get a whole lot of photography done. I did, uh, yesterday I went to, uh, I was going to see uh, one of my favorite bands uh, play live. It was a band called Pelican, and uh, they're kind of an instrumental, like, post-rock post-metal or whatever they want to call the kids call it these days but uh but one of my favorite bands so i wanted to see them last night but i was meeting some friends at a bar uh, before we went to the show to do a little what we like to call pre-gaming and um so we uh but they were running a little late so i was sitting at the bar in this in this, in this old uh neighborhood uh one of the older neighborhoods in here in louisville called germantown and a lot of old buildings old houses and stuff like that but uh, so I was waiting on them, and I realized they were going to be about a half hour. So this is where having a camera in the car at all times comes in handy. Because I went to my car, grabbed my little Pentax point-and-shoot 35 millimeter little, you know, crappy, uh, I don't know, it's like a little zoom compact or whatever, and uh, just walked the neighborhood for about a half hour and burned through a roll of film and waiting for my friends to show up. And uh, so that that made me quite happy. But. Uh, uh, so remember, keep a keep a camera in your car, and uh, it's always a good idea. But uh, and then today, I uh, I was dealing with a bunch of tire issues. Finally, got my tire issues. I had a big blowout last night when I was coming home from the concert. That's always fun. And uh, so I had to go to uh, and even bent the rim. So I had to like go to a junkyard and find a new rim, and then take it and get a tire put on it. It was just a big debacle. But so finally, I get a chance to meet this guy uh, this evening that it was selling a ton of Konica um, uh, uh, cameras and lenses, all kinds of stuff. Like he had tons of stuff and uh, he had posted it locally on, uh, I don't know, the offer up app or one of those apps like that, let go or something. And uh, I'd been trying to get with him all weekend and I finally got a chance to get with him. Uh, the cool thing was, is my youngest son wanted to go with me and cause he was like, dad, I, I need a camera. And I'm like, Oh, well this is, this is a good turn. Wow. Yeah. This is a development. Yeah. And uh, his name is Gibson, and yes, I did name him after the guitar. So uh, you know, uh, just in case you're wondering, but <laughs> but so he rode along with me, and we uh, go to this guy's house. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the he had like thirty something lenses and like uh, like eighteen bodies uh, at one time when he first listed it, uh, all Konica. And uh, 
from some pro photographer that, uh, I don't know, he was selling it for a friend. It was a weird uh, story. I don't know how much I bought of it. But uh, but anyway, tons of stuff. But by the time I got there, a lot of the good lenses were gone. And uh, the ones I could have probably bought and made some money off of had already been swiped up. But I did uh, leave there with a, a Konica Auto Reflex T and a Konica Auto Reflex T3, I believe it is. Uh, all metal like manual cameras and i've got to admit these things are, are built pretty darn solid they are heavy as i'll get out and uh got a, a 50 millimeter lens a 40 millimeter pancake a 135 millimeter and a 28 millimeter lens these are all uh, konica hexanon lenses and the way i understand it uh, they're known to be pretty darn sharp but uh and then uh and the cool thing was, so I bought two bodies, and I, my son was had one of the bodies in the back seat when we were driving home. And the entire time, he was uh, focusing the camera out the window as we were driving home and shooting the shutter, like, over and over and over again. Like, I definitely know the shutter works because he shot the shutter about 20,000 times on the way home. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's really cool. I got a little... Uh, Got a little possible another photographer in the in the family. I might be able to get one of my sons uh, into this into this grand hobby, and uh, so I kind of kind of explained a little bit about shutter speed and aperture on the way home. But you know, I'm going to have to sit down and uh and uh and do a little teaching. I think I'm pretty excited about it. So that was a a really fun development. Uh, and then lastly, about these Konica's, the only thing I'm worried about. We talked about a little bit uh, about this off air, um, but the uh, you know I know they use the old mercury batteries that I think some Olympus uh, cameras used. Uh, and so I know if you use like modern batteries, apparently the meter will be off. And then uh, you guys had some uh, some good thoughts about that. So uh, let's talk about this uh, this battery issue. You guys know more about it than I do. So feel free to, uh, uh, to uh, I don't know, inform the fine viewers about this in case they don't know. Well, go for it, Amy. You've got a, you've got an inexpensive solution, and I've got a more expensive one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I um, I had very similar problems with my Oli 35SP 35DC, and actually my my Yash uh, 124G, where they rely on on mercury cells um, in order to to gain a constant source of power, and it, they're all 1.35ish volts. And after having a look at um, adapter and, and other similar solutions to drop in LR44, SR44, or even hearing aid batteries. I, I ended up just um, uh, finding and, and purchasing a whole bunch of uh, wine cells, W-E-I-N-C-E-L-L. -E -E you, can, you can find them on eBay. And they, they are essentially direct replacements for the PX625 Mercury cell. They, they have the same kind of flying saucer UFO uh, design. Uh, they're air activated, so you open, you know, you, you peel off the sticker, slap it inside the, the battery chamber, lock it up, and then they're constantly on. The, the only problem with those batteries is because they're constantly on, depending on the meter placement um, on your camera, if the meter doesn't have an on-off switch or if the meter doesn't have a light activation system, it's just going to be constantly drawing power. So the SP I know had the light meter in the, the lens barrel, so you could just put a lens cap on and it would stop drawing power. Um, but I, if I remember, my DC didn't, so I needed to carry that that never-ready leather case, you know, kind of keep it closed up. Um, so but they have benefits in, in the sense that you'll get a clean, consistent source of power that'll just die uh, eventually. 
mm. um, as opposed to your, your lithium batteries where the, the voltage will vary over time. They're a little bit more expensive than buying LR44s, SR44s. Um, but for me, it's a more it's a more complete solution. So that that's that's what I prefer myself anyway. Hmm. And Andre, what what was your what was your solution? One of the things that I've seen a lot of people use is uh, these uh, battery adapters from a company called Chris Cam. That's C R I S C A M dot com. And what it essentially is, it's a little you know adapter that you put in uh, any of the you know those common uh, is it lithium ion actually I have no idea or alkaline uh, yeah Probably no alkaline, definitely yeah. alkaline uh, little batteries that go in in most of the more modern uh, film cameras that that you guys are, are probably aware of and it just you know plugs in and you can use the the normal 1.5 volt batteries uh, with this adapter so that you don't have to worry about those issues of the wine cells are always being on uh, and you can just find those batteries in most, you know, convenience stores, drugstores, things like that. They are pretty pricey, though. I'm looking here on their website, and without shipping, they are $37. So wow. definitely, you know, uh, an investment to make. But if you shoot a lot of cameras that, you know, take these, these mercury cells, uh, it may be something to consider. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's a one-time investment, though. So I guess you know, if you look at it that way, it wouldn't be uh, the thirty-something dollars isn't all that outrageous. But um, yeah, so I don't know. There you go, folks. Uh, these two wise men have uh, uh, illustrated uh, a lot more knowledge about this than I did than I knew. So uh, yeah, I'll get these Konicas up and running, and and probably uh, end up giving one of these to my youngest son and getting him uh, in the uh, in the film biz. So uh, pretty uh, pretty excited about it. But uh, uh, the last part of my week was. You know, I've talked about having all these rows of film for my aunt. They're like, gosh, I'm actually finding it. Some of the rows are like up to 20 years old that were, were shot and never developed. And uh, so I've been in the process of doing it. I managed to get like four more rows uh, developed. Uh, but somebody on the Facebook group uh, had a really good, uh, put up a really good article that somebody had written. I wish I had looked this up before we started recording, but it's on the Facebook group. But, uh uh, and I'm sure you can find it if you uh, if you uh, talk to Mr. Reed Google, he'll probably uh, uh, direct you to it. But uh, someone wrote an article about the C41 kits, and if you stretch it beyond you know 10, 15 rows or whatever, how to how much to increase development time. And I hadn't really been doing that. I just been kind of slightly increasing development time. I'm on like row 25 on the C41 kit right now, and uh, and I hadn't really been I've maybe been increasing time by maybe a minute or so not nearly enough apparently because uh this article actually brought up a an, an equation basically to figure out and this guy did all sorts of uh research on this and i don't know how, how he got his math but it seems to be working pretty well and uh so i tried it in these last four rows i developed and uh basically i don't know if this is going to make sense on an audio recording but basically he was telling you to take the number 40 and minus 40 minus n where n stands for the number of rows that you've developed on the in the kit so you would say say you developed 25 rows like at where i'm at you would do 40 uh, minus 25 which gives you 15 and then you take uh take that number and uh, divide it uh, into 140 so 140 divided by 15 and that would tell you how many minutes to increase uh, your development time with the c41 kits 
And uh, I tried it, and it does look like my negatives came out better than when I was just kind of half-ass guessing uh, and just slightly increasing development time. So I just thought it was really interesting. I don't know, again, I, there's a whole long article about how he came up with this math, but I found it was really interesting. And uh, so it's kind of an interesting little little equation to kind of help you figure out how to stretch these C41 kits. Uh, uh, Andre, did you see that article that, that was posted about that on the Facebook group? I saw it, but I, I didn't uh, go ahead and, and read it. Do you know, Mike, if it was talking about a, a particular brand of C41 kit? Oh, yeah, it was. It was talking about the Unicolor kits. Yeah, yeah, for gotcha. sure. Yeah, and apparently he did a lot of research on it, and uh, it's an interesting article. He goes into way more technicalities than uh, uh, I, you know, I really wanted to know, but I, but just the general equation was pretty easy. Uh, you know, again, it's like just one, the number 140 divided by 40 minus N and N is like, uh, you know, the number of rows that you're on. So, uh, and that would help you, help you uh, figure out how much to increase development time. And it, it, it worked. So I don't know. I'm going to keep trying this as I keep stretching this C41 kit beyond its, uh, capabilities <laughs> and, uh, just see, uh, see how it works out. But, uh, it was an interesting article, but I will try to, during the break, find uh, that uh, maybe that link and then tell you all in the next segment because I can't find it on my phone right now. But uh, just so you can uh, read it, it, it was interesting. But uh, M, have you, have you ever? Uh, I mean, have, have you decided or how do you figure out like increasing development time when you do C forty one? Have you been doing that much, or are you just kind of guessing, or or what, what's your process with that? I I don't develop my own C forty one. Okay, I have. Actually, I, I procured a kit to uh, try some bleach bypass uh, processing. Um, so essentially, instead of using the, 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 the Blix components, just use a standard fix um, just to leave the, 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 the undeveloped silver on the negatives. It, it gives a really, really different feel uh, to the negs. You, you end up getting something that has, it can, it can have funky color shifts in comparison to normal C41, but generally the additional silver on the on the neg gives you these scans that just, uh, they almost look like they've come from slide film. It's absolutely intense, especially if you're, you're shooting um, kind of bare metal, chrome, bikes, cars, stuff like that. Um, but no, uh, C41 and E6 kits are pretty expensive to get um, outside of uh, where they're produced, i.e. The, the US or Europe. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh, issues with, um, with airmail for, for, for the chemicals, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I know Cine still can only, can only ship on the lower, they can only sh ship theirs um, in the lower 48 in the US. So that, that's been an issue getting, getting their, um, their kit actually out of the US. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's so, due to like so, yeah. hazardous material shipping stuff. If we wanted to ship right. outside the U.S. Uh, in order to get like approval to do that, we'd have to pay a boatload of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the kit that I have used, well, the kit that I did use was a Unicolor kit, and the the way it works out, I think, and I ran this this cost before. It's about um, including shipping, getting it to me. It it works out to about uh, two, two or three bucks a roll. I think it's about three bucks a roll mm -hmm. um, for development, which probably doesn't sound that bad to most people. Um, but I, I get my uh, C41 films uh, scan or developed and scanned for about four bucks a roll. Oh wow! 
Yeah, I can. I can, so I can. It, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, I can see how it wouldn't. So this uh, this bleach bypass thing is that what you called it with the C forty one developing you did? Is it that's bleach? correct. That sounds, yeah, 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 bleach bypass. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll have to look that up. That that could be really cool. I'm I've always kind of liked doing like cross processing of slide film and C forty one chemicals. I always have kind of dug that kind of stuff, but uh, I don't know why I've never really looked into that. That sounds like something would be up my alley, truthfully. So. Uh, Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's if if you're leaving if you're leaving the silver on the negs uh, using a bleach bypass, then you're reducing the archival quality of the film. Number one, uh, and some people say, well, uh, you know, a a standard consumer negative or even a pro negative, let's say, like uh, Fuji Pro uh, for, um, Pro 400H. So you you would have uh, potentially an archival life of a couple of hundred years, mm. um, and removing the stabilization or the bleach components is gonna is gonna drop your archival life to potentially decades yeah um i don't know i've never done any any direct research on it myself i haven't read a lot of stuff that convinces me that it's that it's really detrimental to the uh, to the archival quality of those negs but the look that you get from it is well worth is well worth the experimentation Hmm. So that's strange because you're actually with, with with this bleach bypass, you're actually leaving this silver on the negatives, right? So, which technically, like, yeah. like so with, with with black and white film, one of the things that makes it so archival is the fact that the uh, the silver is on the neg. So, like, I mean, I guess because maybe because you're not doing the stable stabilizer stabilizer phase, maybe that's why it's uh, maybe not as archival. Or do you still do a stabilizer phase with that, or do you know? Um. Well. well when I did it previously, I, I did use the, the the stabilizer phase. The mm. I, I believe, and it's it's been it's been quite a while since I, I looked into it, but I believe by leaving the silver on the negatives, you're potentially encouraging interaction between the the dyes uh, and the silver that's left. Oh, I um, see. So, because of that, you may get some degradation in the image quality. You may get some other stuff happening. But again, it's not something that I. I I jumped particularly deep into, and it's something that you know, like the whole overexposed by a stop for every decade of film. You know, it see it seems more of an old wives' tale that's come out of repetition as opposed to something that's been empirically tested. And yeah. if anyone does have a, a have, have an example of um, bleach bypass, um, uh, kind of uh, sh uh, well, the shelf life or the archival quality of c41 color negative films that have had a bleach bypass i'd love to read it mm, nice nice. very cool yeah going back to to something that you said earlier M, with the the price of you know c41 uh scanning or well, developing and scanning being around four dollars a roll where you're at uh do you is that you know a common thing for that area of the world and if at some point if fuji does stop uh, producing color film, you know what? What kind of of like penetration does this Kodak color film have over there? And do you think that you know the the market there for for these labs uh, can sustain Fuji exiting if that is to happen? Well, I, I think there's there's probably an answer in two parts here. I think. Um, first of all, it's very it's very easy to only think of the world photographically in terms of um, facilities and pricing in Europe and the U.S. Mm. And I look at some of the prices for for C41. You know, the most basic. You don't get your negs back 
C41 development in the US, and it makes me cry. You know, even looking at looking at some labs charging upwards of $20 to develop a roll of film is just baffling to me, absolutely baffling to me. Um, because even if you look at the raw, the, the raw chemical cost um, to develop that roll of film, and you add on a reasonable salary, given that it's a mini lab that's doing the work for you, a lot of those prices don't make sense. So there must be a value add there that I'm, I'm, I'm not aware of. I think when you look outside of those two territories, um, actually certain parts of, of, of Europe, definitely the Middle East, Asia, Australasia, um, I'm not talking about Africa because they, they literally have, you know, there is zero infrastructure in Africa for, for, for lab debt. But if you look at those other territories, um, there's, there's no specific, you know, Fuji over Kodak film penetration in those in those areas and people are shooting um, superior as much as they're shooting uh, color plus or pro image they're shooting ektar as much as they're shooting pro 400h um, in terms of chemicals i think globally fuji have uh, a bit of a um a, a bit of a neck choke uh, mm -hmm. yeah, a bit of a headlock on black and white chemicals for labs with negstar and and and, and other um, products like that, but um, I, I think talking to my labs right now, if if Fuji disappear in terms of providing um, their chemicals, both black and white and color, th there are other alternatives. I, I, I know people over here in, in in the Far East who are mixing their own C41 chems, they're mixing their own CD3, they're mixing their own motion picture chems. Um, just because it's it, it's easy, it's fun. They can tweak those chemicals to to provide a result that then gives them a unique, um, you know, a unique uh, output, which they can then use to to, to sell on to the customers. So I, I think Fuji exiting the chemical game isn't really going to be uh, that big of a deal in the longer term. Um, Although, yeah, I think it's certainly going to call a few, cause a few people to, to have puckered sphincters for a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very, very interesting. Thank you, as always, for sharing some, some very, very uh, insightful information about the industry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty good uh, overview of our weeks. And uh, I think we should take a little break here and uh, figure out what the hell we're going to talk about in the next segment. So uh, let's do that. Let's, uh, let's take a, real, a little break and uh, we shall be right back, folks. Right, folks we are back from the break and uh as always it's always fun to have him on the show because the uh the banter during breaks is always very informative and i wish i just kept recording because uh he just gave us all this uh all his 
insider industry stuff that was uh, very entertaining and, and enlightening. And uh, speaking of lightning, I have a thunderstorm rolling in now, so you might hear some thunder in, uh, in the background. But uh, but we'll see. Hopefully it won't knock us offline. <laughs> but anyway, uh, M's got some uh, some information, some, some uh, I don't know, some some hot news sort of maybe uh i don't know andre can you uh kind of uh, uh maybe talk about a little bit about why 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 the hell we're having him on the show in the first place but uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it's it's been pretty toasty here in in southern california it's been a particularly hot summer uh you know hovering around uh, in in some of these recent dates around 95 fahrenheit uh 35 celsius for you for you international folks and uh you know, strangely enough, with with all this heat of of late July, we have been getting some inklings of uh, of some some Christmas type news in the Emulsive Weekly Digest. Uh, M, what can you what can you say about that? Uh, holidays are coming. It is the season <laughs> and all of that. Sorry, I've just I've been I've been watching Coca Cola adverts on on YouTube for for the last couple of days. Um, yeah, so uh, Emulsive Santa is back. Um, I know it's early. I know it's it's kind of, we're just on the cusp of August. Um, but for the Emulsive Digest, so the newsletter subscribers and for past participants um, on last year and the year before's Secret Santa events, you guys are gonna be getting some information um, on August 1st talking about what's happening for uh, Emulsive Santa 18. So based on a, a bunch of feedback, not only just from last year and the year before, we're starting the registration process um, early, uh, about three or four weeks early uh, compared to previous years, with a view to finishing registration um, uh, about, about two or three weeks earlier than before as well. And the main reason for that is giving giving people uh, three, maybe three and a bit weeks to find out about their matches, to go out and buy kit, buy gear, um, have that delivered to them, wrap it, you know, post it, and expect to have it delivered before Christmas. It, it, it's, it's been a bit of a stretch for some. Um, so the plan now is we're gonna, we're gonna kick off registrations officially sometime in August, and we're going to finish registrations or that that period um, in the beginning of November. The idea being is then you have the whole of November to buy and prepare um, and get your gift out um, with the deadline being pretty much the 1st of December to get stuff shipped out. I, I'd love to have you know, 90, 95% of gifts actually hit people's um, doorsteps before December 25th this year. Uh, I really want to make that happen. As nice as it is to see gifts finally making it, you know, well after, well after Christmas Day and, and being happy that, okay, that they've actually been received. I think getting those, getting those on, on kind of doorsteps before Christmas Day is, is, is more important to me this year. Um, so yeah, the, that there'll be an initial announcement uh, to, to those guys uh, August 1st, there's going to be more information coming um, towards the middle of the month for registration that's open for everybody else. Um, I'm not going to be speaking about any sponsors or any other, uh, any of that kind of stuff, probably until mid-September, where we're hoping to make a couple of changes to the way that um, this year's event is, is, is going to be structured. 
um, it's still the same, you know, the same minimum ten dollar gift, uh, sharing the love of film photography goodness that that's been the event for the last three years. Um, this year we just want to tighten things up, make it bigger, um, and obviously control all of those bad Santas. <laughs> for sure and i can't speak you know more highly of the emulsive secret center last year was my first year participating and the the whole you know system and the and the platform that you guys use a a website called elfster.com is super easy you know to to get paired with uh with your match you know communicate a little bit there's even a a wish list feature that you can you know put on some stuff that you would uh, ideally like your your secret santa to to send to you um but last year my secret santa was from alaska in addition to uh some film including a roll of the frania p30 alpha i received uh some <laughs> supposedly traditional alaskan treats uh, including some uh, a, pa- a vacuum sealed package of uh, smoked Alaskan uh, wild Alaskan sockeye salmon, as well as some salmon jerky, two little jars of like Alaskan uh, jelly or jam, as I guess you Brits would say. Um, yeah, everyone some else film, in the world, not, not Brits. <laughs> <laughs> some film and a lovely, uh, what I believe was a, a darkroom print. So it was um, a fantastic little gift that made my gift that I sent out feel <laughs> extremely inadequate. But yeah, I, I really can't speak more highly of it. It's a great opportunity to to meet somebody new in the film photography community, spread the love of film. And I would strongly suggest, uh, you know, if you can, putting some, uh, some you know, some little food delicacies of, of wherever it is that you're from and maybe some film that is uh, is only available in your neck of the woods. I know that you know, a lot of people have been talking about the Kodak, uh, what is it, Pro Image 100? Yeah. That, uh, that, you know, folks here in the States, at least, are, are finally going to be able to, to get their hands on uh, through some of the lovely folks at uh, Analog Wonderland and other things like that. Some of these kind of, you know, small regional craft films, uh, you know, if there's, if there's a, a chance for you to share some, some local love, be it, uh, you know, film or, or some some little sweet treats or anything like that, uh, the Emulsive Secret Santa is the perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, I didn't do it last year, and I'm still mad about that, so I'm definitely getting in on it this year. And, and Em, I, I, you know, it's really an awesome thing that you do. <laughs> like, I, I know this has got to be just a mountain of work, it seems like, uh, uh, to do this, but uh, it's really awesome, and it's just another one of those kind of uh, things that shows the film community is just something special, and uh, I think it's really cool. But I just can't imagine... Uh, the kind of workload you take on on like like is it a labor of love or do you, do you sometimes say why the hell did I, am I doing this <laughs> it's a labor of whiskey uh, and <laughs> and the labor of love no, I mean, oh, we don't know anything about that no, no. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's certainly um, a, a challenge kind of portioning out time um, and headspace to to deal with everything that comes with it Last year, um, I had the, the, the wonderful um, Iceland, who was um, helping me out as, as Santa's little helper, just helping communicate with uh, the guys on Elfster, helping to um, let people know to complete their profiles, keeping people updated on, on uh, what was happening with the event. She put together an article 
um, on you know a, a buyer's guide. Okay, you know here here's, here are some strange small kind of more mom and pop kind of uh, online outfits that you can use to to buy you know weirder and more wonderful gifts than your usual you know roll of Ektar, roll of HP five, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So this year um, there are um, uh, another two people. Um, who are two, possibly three people who are who are uh, joining, just just helping me um, with certain aspects of the event. So it's it's still the same level of, of of manic franticness in terms of prepping everything and, and getting everything kind of ready for registration and and kind of keeping up the the. Uh, the, the level of activity to encourage more people to, to, to register or to encourage people to to share details about the event, to, to let other people who haven't heard about it, you know, know and give them an opportunity to come on board. And um, obviously there, there, there's the, the post-registration uh, madness where, you know, we're getting the matches sorted out. And then it's, it feels like almost endlessly chasing people up to, to make sure that they're sending gifts out or to communicate with people who, um, you know, maybe they had their gifts lost in the post. Maybe they received something which wasn't really up to the, to the most minimum level of expectation that we have. And, and, and Andre, what, what you said about, you know, packing in extra stuff, not just, it's not just about a film, you know, add a card, add a note, add some local candy. I mean, you don't have to go crazy and send, you know, aged Alaskan smoky, uh, aged <laughs> Alaskan jerky or anything like that. But no, but like the, the print, the, I think, is actually a great like idea. Yeah, prints are very good as well. And, you know, we it, it, that's that's been a part of the event since the very beginning. It's about sharing the love of, uh, uh, the love of film photography, the love of analog photography, but it's also about connecting um, with your fellow photographers. And we've had some wonderful examples of people teasing their matches anonymously over, secret, you know, over, over Elster's messaging system to get as much information as they can and then delivering with these amazing, uh, you know, gifts of, you know, local, you know, a bag of local coffee with some, some sweets and other, and other delicacies. Um, uh, I would say probably about 90% of the players will go in and just add that little extra personalization but there, there are always people who because of one reason or or another uh, are unable to mm-hmm. um and what what we try and do is kind of talk to those guys communicate with them try try and understand what's what's happening obviously not making any any assumptions or, or judgments on 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 them and just trying to trying to help them out um you know christmas is a particularly stressful time for a lot of people and you you can't really make an assumption as to why somebody didn't do something that that we feel that they should have done so it's about managing the managing that that community relationship as much as it is you know kicking people up the ass and saying look have you sent this yet <laughs> so what you're saying is that you know tracking down and communicating with the bad santas is a is a delicate you know, job that requires lots of tact. <laughs> it it it, just, it requires a bit of uh, a bit of heart. Um, there was uh, there were two folks last year specifically, and I, I won't I won't name them. And they they had um, either 
their own or familial medical conditions to deal with. And you know, if you if you stomp into a conversation and you you start hitting them with questions, you know, well, why aren't you sending this? You didn't live up to your ex- expectation. Blah 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 blah. I mean, number one, you come off as a complete ass. Number two, you're not doing anything for anybody. Um, so it's as much it's as much learning about what's affecting that person and and communicating those challenges to their match, you know, as much as it is giving people a nudge to say, you know, your your match has been trying to contact you for the last three weeks, um, but they haven't heard anything. So what's up? You know, so it's, it's it's quite delicate, and even though you're doing all of that, um, you still have people who, who, for one reason or another, uh, sometimes you don't find out. They just don't send a gift. Um, and given the effort that goes into chasing those people down, uh, I, I can safely call those people freeloaders. Um, mm. th- these are people who potentially signed up with no intent of ever sending anything. I don't understand what um, what getting a free gift in a in an event that requires you know a minimum ten dollar entries <laughs> i don't understand what that achieves but thankfully there's there's a whole bunch of people within the community who hear about these bad santas and this year through through throughout the last last couple of months of the summer um we've been slowly slowly kind of uh getting gifts delivered to people who who didn't receive any because of their bad Santas. In fact, I literally just retweeted um, something today um, from uh, from Richard Davis, who's uh, who's Paleo Boy um, on Twitter, and and um, he'd sent a gift over to uh, uh, Stephen Hewitt. Um, you know, he sent him some uh, Galaxy Direct Positive paper. He sent him a bunch of Delta. Um, and uh, some weird Kodak stocks, and he, he, he sent a little note just telling him what was happening, and and um, you know stuff like that. Really, it, it makes me feel fantastic. You know, we're in at the end of July now, and, and and people in the community are still trying to help pick up the pieces of of, of, of these bad Santas. Nice, nice. Uh, one th- one question I do have for you, Em, is, uh, I mean, <laughs> do, do you get a gift? Do you sign up? Because I'm thinking, like, the guy that draws your name is like, wow, that's a lot of pressure. I've got, <laughs> I've got to send a gift to the guy that started this thing. Like, like, do you actually sign up and get? <laughs> that seems like a really high pressure know? situation. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really think about this in 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 the first year or the second year, um, or in fact the third year. Um, no, so yeah, I I'm I'm there. I'm another player. Obviously, you can tell it's me because there's the giant emulsive logo, you know, <laughs> staring down like the eye of Sauron. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it's been uh, last year. Uh, I was I was really stoked because I ended up matching someone who um, who I know on on Twitter, and um, she just completely uh, fulfilled my wish list, which was you know weird, wonderful film stocks i got a whole bunch of really crazy stuff from from uh, from china some like food uh really old food black and white films some stuff which you know we're, we're all with little papers with with kind of qa notices and signatures and stuff like that so i, I don't know i mean based on on what i've received over the last um over the last few years i don't think that there is i don't think that there exists a kind of pressure of you know oh shit oh shit i need to 
send something really cool because this is M. I think it's more <laughs> a case of, oh, well, you know, he's, he's written this stuff on his wish list, so I'm, I'm going to follow it. Although I, I, did, I did feel, or I, I have felt for the last few years, that there's more of a pressure on me to send out gifts that are kind of something a bit... A bit. <laughs> Your reputation so, is on the line. Yeah, so it, it, kind of, it, it kind of works the other way. And, and I, I had, uh, you know, some successes and a couple of hiccups doing that over the last couple of years. But I was also lucky enough last year to be matched with, um, with someone who's, who's featured their, their, their articles on Emulsive before. I knew exactly what, what this person was up to photographically. So I could, I could send her something that... that uh, I think, <laughs> I hope, I think kind of uh, matched up with what it, where it was that she was going um, in 2018. Nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. I, uh, I do like the idea of, of sing, uh, sending some local, you know, some local uh, treats or whatever. Uh, the bad thing is, is that Kentucky's known for bourbon. So I don't know exactly how I'm going to get a bottle of bourbon into a box and, sh- and ship that legally. So, so you might, well, might just say, you, you send me one. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did send you one, uh, Andre. I believe that was quite illegal, actually. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, but uh, just send a send a KFC voucher. That's the second most famous thing in Kentucky. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I there think, you go. Uh, I, I'm actually choking. I, I feel like I choked on a chicken bone when you said that, actually. But, uh, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. Actually, there you go. Chicken bones. So chicken <laughs> bones. I believe that's a Canadian sweet, right? Or a, a, a northern U.S. kind of uh, um, sweet, the, the, those weird kind of candied biscuity things. I don't, I don't know how to describe them. Chicken bones. You can send chicken bones. But no, I, I think the, you know, there, there, there's a, a, a minimum 10 U.S. Um, entry requirement, which I think is a bit, a bit naive. Um, I think it's a bit naive to put that in because there's not much that you can buy in the, in the U.S. film-wise for 10 bucks mm-hmm. so there's still a bit of umming and ahhing i'm probably going to put the, the the minimum value guideline up to 20 dollars because the vast majority of gifts actually exceed that anyway one thing that that we are going to do this year is put a guideline in um for a maximum donation amount which is you know you don't have to spend more than 100 bucks if you don't want to so it'll be some probably somewhere between the the 2080 20 20 2100 mark and and really that's just to communicate to to players that you don't have to go all out you don't have to you don't have to go crazy you don't have to blow the christmas budget for your family just to get something out you know just try and remove some of that pressure of expectation because there's there's there are so many fantastic gifts being shared um on twitter if you if you have a look at um emulsive santa 17 is the hashtag there's so many amazing things that went out i know that there are a bunch of people out there who felt that their gifts weren't good enough. And if anyone listening felt like that last year, don't. The fact that you participated, the fact that you sent something, even if it was a couple of rolls of film, the fact that you added a card, a print, a note, you know, some, some local suites, and, and the fact that you built a relationship and kept communicating with your match after the event, that is worth much more than you know, sending out a, a, a box of photographic papers and then doing nothing about it or sending a, a you know, a, a camera in a giant box with no padding and, and getting it out there that happens to be worth $150. So, you know, it's, it's more about participating, um, 
there are certain guidelines that we'd like you to stick between. If, however, you want to send a Leica M3 as, as Dan K did back in uh, 2016, wow. if you want to send Hasselblad, I'm, I'm happy to provide you with my address. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, just don't, don't, go, don't go mad on, on the cash. You know, go mad on building that relationship. I think that would be my, my advice. Perfect, perfect. All right. Well, that was uh, that's great, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to participating this year, and uh, uh, I think it's going to be awesome. So everybody keep an eye out uh, from little updates from M uh, about this, so you can get signed up and uh, definitely participate. It's, uh, it's just, again, it's one of those things that uh, just makes the film community so cool, and uh, uh, it's just kind of, I don't know, just the way that, uh, I mean, people do this kind of stuff even you know, throughout the year that it's not even part of the secret Santa thing. I see people on our Facebook group sending each other things and, uh, it's just really cool, man. It, it, this community has been, uh, uh, overwhelmingly positive most of the time. And just, uh, it just makes me, it gives, gives you, gives you all the warm, the warm, cozy feelings inside. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. looking forward to it, but, uh, uh, all right, I guess we should take a break. We have some, um, uh, some questions to, for, for him on the Facebook group and most of them are, are silly, but we're still going to, still going to put him on the spot. Uh, one thing I did want to mention in the last segment, I talked about the Unicolor C41, the how many rows, the guy that came up with the, the crazy math equation to figure that stuff out. I did find the uh, website. It is uh, 120studio.com and the name of the article is Unicolor C41 shelf life. How many rows? But again, that is 120studio.com, and that's where you can find that article on how he came up with this crazy equation and uh, on how many rows you can get out of the C41 Unicolor kit, which is the kit the FPP sells, by the way, and, uh, and how much to increase development time with each uh, row that you push out of that thing. I, I, don't, I don't know how much further I'm going to go with this kit. I, I have four rows I'm going to scan tonight, and that's on row 25, and I'm still not seeing any crazy color problem so i'm just going to keep pushing it until until i see something bad but uh, uh i've been pretty impressed the amount i've gotten out of this thing so uh but yeah cool stuff but all right let's take a break and uh we shall be right back folks Folks, we are back from the break and uh, another uh, great conversation and some bathroom breaks and popping open another fine American Pilsner, uh, Miller Lite, and I'm ready to uh, get into some hard-hitting questions, or not necessarily hard-hitting questions, from the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. We had posted that uh, that M would be joining us and uh, asked people to ask some questions, and uh, let's just uh, kind of scroll through this and... Uh, and uh, put him on the spot with these hard hitters. And uh, so here we go. The first one is from, uh, well, his his name on Facebook is Ren Benolds, but I'm guessing maybe his name actually might be Ben Reynolds, but he's playing, I don't know. But on Facebook, he's Ren Benolds. And uh, his uh, question is, uh, I have an important question. 
Why does Hamish Gills keep saying M and looking to his left in his videos? Are you in the room with him, M? So what's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of. So um, a little while ago, uh, what's the best way to put this? Um, a little while ago, uh, legal intervention required M uh, and so that's me uh, and Hamish. Uh, that's not me. Um, to maintain an open video link at all times. Um, you know, certain things were said, and it's, it's a way of making sure that he doesn't badmouth me and, and I don't badmouth him. So the reason why he's looking to the left when he says my name is there's a little seven-inch monitor there with me <laughs> staring back at him, wiggling my finger when he does something bad. Well, it's funny, on the, on the Facebook group, you commented that... Uh, Hamish looks to the left to check the candles are still lit in the shrine he has dedicated to me. I, I was hoping maybe that was. <laughs> well, the, the, that, that seven inch screen is on one of those weird, cheap IKEA bamboo tablet holders. And the candles, the pictures, the spent rolls of film are all kind of arranged in a. a it's, it's kind of a. It's a. Imagine, imagine a huge egg just behind behind a screen and and the the kind of screen is cocooned in this egg and the egg itself is made up of candles and uh, 35 mil uh, cartridges and bits of bits of film and other stuff so you could call it a shrine i mean that embellishment was his own it wasn't something that was mandated by the uh, by the court orders um, i'm kind of happy that he's done it it does it does creep me out a little bit but um you know whatever works for him really <laughs> well, nice. I've got to I've got to go back and listen to the episodes of the uh, gosh, what is is it the classic lenses podcast? Yeah, that's actually mm. our next comment on the Facebook group. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry to, to all of the, the wonderful hosts of the, the classic lenses podcast that I've not yet gotten to it. Uh, but just, you know, the, the memories of back in the day the episode uh, where both you, I believe it was you and Hamish and Bellamy were all on Sunny 16 is one of my favorites. I have it downloaded <laughs> on my phone. Just the lovely little like bickering between the three of you and Graham. I mean, oh gosh, it was just sorry, endless who? fun. You mean, oh, I'm sorry, Jeremy. Jeremy. My bad. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's an easy, easy name to, to get mixed up. Uh, of course. <laughs> So the next uh, comment on the Facebook group is from Jimmy Hickford, and he says, Uh-oh, hope you've got a while to edit your podcast, Mike. That M is a potty mouth fellow. Just listen to the end of the Classic Lenses podcast. So uh, what, 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 what went on in the Classic Lenses podcast, Em? What, what, what kind of uh, vitriol did you uh, spew forth? <laughs> um, I, I remember describing overly done HDR as a pimple on the arse of photography. <laughs> um, I think an accurate I think what, description. I think what Jimmy's talking about here is when, um, so at the very beginning of the call, I think uh, I think Stephen asked me. He, 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 Simon said, "Oh, so um, do you actually listen to the podcast, Em?" And I replied quite incredulously and did mention that I was going to build an effigy of him and piss on it. Um, that 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 made it into, that that made it into the uh, into the outtakes at the end. That's probably what what Jimmy's talking about. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, so the uh, the next comment or question uh, comes from uh, the wonderful Andrew Bartram from the uh, the Lensless Podcast, and uh, he tried to stir up some uh, some shit when Rachel was on our show uh, from the Sunny Sixteen, trying to ask her who her favorite uh, Sunbeam was. Uh, Graham or Aid, and she wouldn't answer it. So he's trying again to uh, stir the pot, and Andrew has come out and said, uh, first of all, about having him on the show, he asked if we were scraping the barrel uh, to uh, as far as guests. <laughs> so, uh, Definitely. He, uh, I mean, every that's, time that's, we can't find a guest, <laughs> every time we can't find a guest, we have to stoop to, you know, our our usual haunts. <laughs> Be done. He, I don't I don't begrudge you to be honest with you. I, I would do the same. <laughs> but then he asked uh he asked the burning question, and now that Andre's like a, a podcast superstar and uh doing solo shows uh and trying to take over my podcast, uh I think it's a I think it's a valid question. Uh, he he simply asked him uh who does he like best, Mike Gutterman or Andre Dominguez? I mean I, I don't know. It's, I mean I think the answer's obvious, but you know. I mean, I know who he should say because uh, a little, a little someone named Andre Dominguez uh, at Cine still sent him a free bottle of the DF ninety six Monobat to test. But I mean, I don't know, M, with with, with a completely unbiased uh, opinion there. What do you what do you think? Well, I think it's it's, it's worth remembering that um, uh, free doesn't mean it doesn't cost anything. Uh, number one, uh, number two, I, and I did say this in the thread, but. Yeah, I I love both gutter folk equally. So there's no there's no one more than the other. Um, you know, it is just an equal love and appreciation of both gutter folk. Ah, <laughs> I wish you'd look. But uh, so uh, then Andrew actually does come back with a a real question. Uh, he, and he asks, uh, how does he see emulsive evolving over time? And isn't a isn't it a bit too much for one guy? Even if he is a reclusive billionaire and can no doubt afford servants, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is it, it is a, a, a challenge, and I've been focusing this year on um, being able to keep the 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 kind of content, uh, the, you know, the volume of the the content um, kind of up, whilst also just finding just efficiencies in, in what I do and, and, and how I do it so that I can spend more time with uh, family, with friends, and actually out there taking photos. In terms of, in terms of how, the, how I see the site evolving um, as it gets bigger, I mean, it, it's not really something that I've, I've given a lot of thought to. Um, when, when it happens, um, it will happen when I need to think about it. I will think about it. I think at the moment, um, yeah, sure. There's there's certainly help that I, I would appreciate on um, kind of editorial control and a bunch of other stuff. But but right now the site has a very specific uh, voice and a very specific structure, and I I, I don't think it's going to be that easy for me today. Let's say um, to to kind of communicate that on in a way that I can be 100% happy that somebody else is able to um, maintain the same editorial uh, control and direction um, as me. Now that, that that's that's a challenge for for anyone doing any any form of you know medium to to high volume publishing. Um, 
so and as you can probably tell by the way that I'm blathering through this answer it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not something it's not something it's something that I've thought about to the point of well I know that I need to do something about this eventually um, what what ideas do I have to to make this leak when it happens but it, it hasn't it hasn't become a point of contention it hasn't become a burning need just yet so I think in terms of short-term evolution, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing, keep on looking for and reaching out to, to people who I believe um, are, are doing interesting stuff that the community will want to hear about. Um, I'm going to keep on accepting the contributions that come in from people like Andrew and, and from, from a whole bunch of other folks. And when things get a bit too much, I'll drop Andrew a line and we'll have a chat and we'll see if he wants to do something to help. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, uh, and then the next one, I, I, this is, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite, uh, favorite listeners and, uh, uh, people on the Facebook group. Not that I like to choose favorites, but this guy just, uh, keeps hitting on all cylinders and that's, uh, the, uh, the awesome Stephen Ray who put up, uh, what he calls a face cast on on our Facebook group, and uh, there's a video of him like going through his cameras and saying what he's going to take on his trip to America. I believe he might be in the U.S. now. I'm not sure when he's supposed to arrive here, but he's got a a long uh, tour of uh, kind of the the, the middle and western uh, side of uh, the U.S.A. and uh, we're hoping to have him on the podcast at some point during somewhere in the middle of his travels and see how that's going. But but he did this video. He calls him a face cast and. Uh, he was getting ready for his trip to America and was wearing a cowboy hat, uh, like shorts and cowboy boots. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know if that's exactly what he thinks that we wear as Americans, but uh, it was a lovely outfit. But uh, uh, always great to see his videos. But uh, so Stephen Ray asked, uh, can you ask him if he has the same problems dealing with his coolness that I do? And if so, how does he deal with it? <laughs> I struggle with it at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember. I remember seeing that, that photo being, being being slightly less disturbed than when I saw your GIF um, <laughs> over on Fourth of July. Oh yeah, we're we're still having nightmares about that. I'm sure. Hey, every nightmare has a chance. Do that? Every dream can be a nightmare or can become something fantastic, and you just you know you never know. It's uh, I think it was fantastic. I, you know I think it was <laughs> it was sweet dreams. So you know, but uh, <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I think I think I've got I think I've got exactly the same problems um, that Stephen does uh, dealing with my coolness. Um, <laughs> in that it is completely non-existent. Um, <laughs> so so. Um, as far as dealing with it goes, well, I've, I've learned to accept that I will never be able to wear a hat uh, or a red T-shirt. Um, I've, I've grown to accept that sandals and socks uh, do not a good combination to make unless you're a Roman legionnaire. Um, <laughs> and I've learned to embrace my, my inner film nerd. And I suggest that Stephen does the same thing and stay away from those 10-gallon Stetsons. <laughs> nice <laughs> nice uh and then the last one is just simply a comment it comes from uh sherry christensen and she just simply says thanks for putting out emulsive m so uh yeah nice little comment there and i think we can all uh give you a big thanks for all the work you do on the uh the emulsive site and just in the film community in, in general it's uh it's pretty impressive and uh uh yeah there's there's no no question uh uh the amount of love we have for you m it's uh it's pretty uh pretty 
pretty awesome stuff you're doing. Thanks, man. Uh, it's um, it's 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 always good to know that uh, that it's appreciated. Uh, as as dry and as as ridiculously hopeless as that might sound, um, just knowing that there are people out there who uh, read it and appreciate it, they, it it kind of you know it, it helps when 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 faced with challenges and with, when faced with self doubt. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And uh, I don't know if we should mention this, M, and if not, uh, we can. I can always edit this out. And uh, but the uh, there's been talk <laughs> that you may that you may be a uh, uh, once a month uh, guest uh, on this very podcast. And uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and see if uh, if you want to be like uh, our once a month uh, legendary co-captain. Uh, uh, if you want to actually, if, if if you've given thought to that, or have we scared you off with all these hard hitting questions and uh, uh, I don't know how you feel about being a, a once a month uh, guest on this very uh, podcast. We're actually we're also trying to keep you from starting a competing podcast and taking our listeners to. So. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Well, I'll be honest and say, but yeah, I, I I thought I thought this was the first one of those things. You know, everything that you guys have been saying up until now has made me think. Well, you know. Was was the offer rescinded because they're not talking about it? Right. Um, but you know, I, I thought that's what we're doing here. Now oh, it's, it's entirely up to yourself. You know, if you if you think that my editing is going to get in in the way of, of your family life because I, I I do ramble on, um, <laughs> then that's fine. I'll hang my head. I will walk away, and I'll never darken your doorstep. But of course, I'm totally up for it. Awesome. No, awesome. We, I mean, you know that we love having you. The the conversations that we have, both on and off air, um, pre production, post production, as we like to to call it, um, is is always wonderful. Yeah, and let's be honest, yeah, like, we keep we keep talking cool. about this editing thing. I don't I don't edit shit, Lamb. Like, I'm not editing anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> I try to like I try to make you all feel sorry for me, but honestly, I just you know it's 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 very seat of the pants here. I, there's no no uh, no editing going on. So, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, well, that's all the uh, the Facebook group uh, comments and questions. And uh, thanks everybody for uh, uh, sending uh, M some some fine comments and uh, and questions and statements and and you know just uh, just asking about his coolness, which I think we've all been wondering about for for quite some time. But uh, so. I guess we're about at the end of this episode. And uh, so let's start with M. M, where can people follow you? I mean, everyone knows this, but we got to do it. So go ahead and uh, give your, your advertising spiel. Cool. Um, you can find me on emulsive.org. That's the site. I spend uh, most of my time on social media, uh, either on Twitter um, or growing now is on on Facebook, and I'll you know you'll find me jumping into uh, negative positives chats on the Facebook group there, or in the uh, the film camera gas factory. Uh, and if you don't know what gas uh, what gas is, you're not allowed in. Stay far far away if you appreciate having a positive bank balance. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 horrifically beautiful. I mean, some of the stuff. I mean, that there's there's cameras appear on there that that I I never even knew existed. Um, there there are concoctions and and modifications, and uh, it's just it, it's insane. But yeah, it is incredibly dangerous to your bank balance. <laughs> 
So, uh, Andre, uh, where can people see your nine photos? <laughs> is people it still can nine? See my nine photos? <laughs> that's a bit generous. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's exactly correct. Uh, granted, I haven't given him much cause to, to have that, that, that guess be <laughs> wrong in a while. But you can see my nine photos on Instagram at Andre on Film, as well as on the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. Nice. And Em, I think during the break we talked, you you wanted to mention something about the dates to kind of watch out for, I guess. Is that what you, is it, didn't you want to say something else about the uh, uh, the dates? I want to make sure you get that out before we end this thing. Uh, yeah, about uh, Shikrit Shanta. Um, yeah. So the the initial, um, the initial announcement's going out to uh, past participants on Elster um, and via my uh, newsletter uh, mailing list on August 1st. There will be a second announcement via email on August 8th, um, and then the official announcements come after that. So if you want to um, get on early doors um, before the official registration opens, you can either have played last year or 2016 or 2015, um, or you can head over to Emulsive, uh, check out the um, newsletter registration uh, kind of widget thing, in the sidebar or just just read an article and by the time you get to the bottom there'll be a little pop-up as long as you sign up before the first or before the 8th of august um you'll be guaranteed to to get at least one piece of news about how you can jump on as an early uh, early riser early bird whatever um for this year's santa event awesome awesome all right, and you can see uh, my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Obviously, join the Facebook group. It is the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. Uh, a couple other little announcements I needed to make. Uh, the Double Exposure Challenge, Tag Team Challenge deadline is July 31st, which is the time that this uh, podcast goes live on Tuesday morning will be uh, July 31st, so you'll have... Uh, today, when this day, po- when this podcast comes out, to uh, get your um, uh, submissions, your two favorite submissions, and that uh, that challenge uh, loaded to the uh, the Google uh, Forms thing that uh, Sean Nelson uh, had set up for us. So make sure if you're in that that you get your two favorites up because the deadline is today when this podcast comes out. And the other thing is Sean Nelson has also graciously started a print exchange for us, and he put up the sign up uh link uh on the facebook group so if you can find that on the negative positives film photography podcast facebook group uh uh, look for sean nelson's print exchange sign up and uh so we're going to do a kind of a one-time print exchange and uh uh, just a fun another fun little community and event to sign up for so uh just wanted to get that out there and uh, also if you want to email this program our new email address that goes to both andre and i uh that is the neg positives at gmail.com neg positives at gmail.com is the new email address and that goes to both andre and i so uh so yeah email this program and also i I wanted to mention i do have some uh some voice call-ins that i've gotten over the last week or two i haven't forgot about you guys i just haven't found an episode to kind of put them in yet but we will get to those in an upcoming episode pretty soon so either one of the solo shows or a, a, another Sunday show or something, but uh, haven't forgot about them. I, I, I thank you for the, uh, the call-ins, but I uh, just haven't found a place to put them in yet. So, uh, But I think that's all the housekeeping I have, so let's go ahead and end this thing. All right.
Everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you, M, so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. And I guess we'll hear from you in, a, in about a month. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, and, uh, so let's end this. Everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> there it is. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we will see you all very soon. Thanks, thank you very much.